It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Coming to you from the heart of Silicon Valley, this is CUDA Confidential, the official podcast of the San Jose Barracuda, AHL affiliate of the San Jose Sharks. Now, here's your host, Nick Nolenberger. Hello, Barracuda fans. We are very pleased to be joined by the voice of the Wichita Thunder, Jason Malls, kind enough to join us. Of course, the Sharks, the Barracuda, partnered up with Wichita this past offseason as the team's new ECHL affiliate. First time since 2019 in which we can say that. Jason, first of all, thank you so much for the time. We really do appreciate it. Of course. My pleasure. I do appreciate you guys, uh, you know, working with us this year. It's so far been a lot busier, I think we anticipated, but looking forward to how this season's going to go for both squads. Yeah, we'll dive into a little bit of just the world of transactions and the communication between myself and you when it comes to players and players going up and down. But I want to start off by educating fans on the history of the Wichita Thunder. And like many teams from the Midwest, the Southwest, who are in the ECHL, they began in the old Central Hockey League and in 2014 when that that, uh, league kind of halted in its tracks and basically folded many teams went on to join the ECHL and the Wichita Thunder were one of those teams so if you don't mind just roll through a history of the team it started back in 92 but walk us through the history of the team to this point sure you know the the Thunder were not the first professional franchise in terms of uh, minor league hockey in the city it actually was back in, in the uh, early 80s when the Wichita Wind were around. The Wichita Wind uh, were the affiliate of the Edmonton Oilers at the time, and there were some interesting names, like I believe it was Grant Fuhrer was one of those that came through Wichita uh, back back around that time uh, period. And then, you know, pro hockey took a little bit of a hiatus in this city and came back, like you mentioned, in 1992-93, and then – the, the following two seasons, 93-94 and 94-95, the, the team behind the leadership of Doug Shedden ended up winning back-to-back Central Hockey League titles. And unfortunately, those are the only titles that this organization has won at any of the two levels that we've been in, uh, whether it was the ECHL or the Central Hockey League. It's It's been a little bit frustrating in that regard, but – you know, the longevity is, is something that we're really proud of. We're tied with the uh, Tulsa Oilers as the sixth oldest franchise in minor league sports history uh, at the hockey level, which is something to say. You you know this better than anybody that, you know, some of these teams just don't last. They, they are around for maybe a couple of years and then ownership either wants to move them or they go somewhere else. I mean, you saw that last year with the Stockton Heat, unfortunately going up to Calgary, and now they're without a team. So that's a little bit about who we are. Um, you know, we've entertained over 5 million fans, 20 sellouts in franchise history. At one point, back when I came back to the team, we were averaging over 6,000 a game, and that's dipped just a little bit. But, you know, we're still around that 5,000 fan 
uh, per game mark. And we've got some of the rowdiest fans around. I'm sure if you, when, when, when you talk to some of your players that have come back, uh, if they're traveling back and forth, they can attest it and let you know what they hear by the benches because our fans like to give it to the opposing team. In fact, we won 10 straight years, the most annoying fans in the Central Hockey League. I don't know why that was an award, Nick, but it was. So that's a little bit about our franchise. Well, we just saw it the other day. You, you had an opportunity. I saw you on Spit and Chicklets. I heard you on Spit and Chicklets, their, their social media channels. Probably because your fans were getting under the skin of the opponent. One of, one of the opposing players, I believe, on the, the Allen Americans, the Sharks' old ECHL affiliate, kind of lost his cool a little bit on his way off the ice. And I'm assuming it had to do with some of those fans you're, you're alluding to. Yeah, that, you know, the, the funny part is back when I first started with this organization in 2004, I did an interview with a couple of guys that called themselves the hecklers. And this was back in the, the time period when we were playing at our old arena, which was, it was called the Kansas Coliseum. The glass behind the bench wasn't as high as it is now. So they could literally lean over and yell at the opposing team and the opposing uh, coaching staff. So unfortunately, Fortunately, you know, it's gotten a little bit different since they left, because I remember when I had that conversation, they used to tell me if we're saying anything to the opposing team, we're not using words that you couldn't say to your kids. But we were obviously, you know, trying to get under their skin, like you had mentioned. And there was that incident that you're referring to where Mikhail Robodeau of the Allen Americans, who last year was with Kansas City, he ended up leading the league in penalty minutes last season. Now he's with Allen and he was exiting the playing surface after he ran our goaltender. And I don't know what the fan would have said to him, but he turned around and there was that incident that took place. I don't want to get into the decision and, you know, the suspension or any of that stuff, but he definitely, um, you know, he kind of took a swing and then you can look at that at the video that you mentioned on spit and chicklets. But, yeah, that, that's something that our fans, for some odd reason, take pride in. <laughs> well, you've got a home ice advantage, and I think there's something to say there. Wichita as a whole, when I think of uh, Kansas, I think of basketball. But from what you're telling me, it sounds like the team's been pretty well supported since it basically came back, if you will, a different name and title, but came back in 92. What kind of hockey city is Wichita, and how have the, the fans embraced and, and kind of taken on the sport? You know, when people think of this part of the country, they don't think of hockey. And you're right about that. You know, they first they think basketball and then they think baseball. This city at one point was known for the college uh, baseball team. The Wichita State Shocker baseball team was really good back in the day. They won a college World Series and then the basketball team took off for so long. Uh, the state of Kansas as a whole with the University of Kansas and Kansas State, the rich history of basketball. When it comes to hockey, you know, that I, I think the one thing that we're trying to do is grow our fan base to be a little bit more of a broad fan base. I think there's probably this sense that, yes, there is diehards here, but it it's still somewhat of a niche market in the fact that, you know, we're not getting what Wichita State gets for their basketball games. However, like you had said, I, I still feel like the fan base that regular regularly comes to the games, they come – they know what's going on. You know, they're into the game itself. They understand hockey. And I, I do feel like we have an educated fan base as opposed to maybe some, some other teams that you could say do not. So 
in that in that respect, I do feel like Wichita is, is a very good hockey city that supports their team. Now, one thing to kind of keep in mind, uh, alluding to what you were referring to, we just hosted our first NHL game. These are two teams that do not have any affiliation to us. Now, St. Louis is probably the second closest team to Wichita, Kansas, outside of the Dallas Stars, which is about five and a half, six hours from here. And then you had a team in the Arizona Coyotes, which you know the whole situation going on with, with them. And we had about oh, just under 9,000 fans in the building, and we were really happy with that. We were hoping to get over 10,000. Our, our arena seats 13,000 for hockey. And, uh, you know, it being a, an NHL game and, and this economy and seeing that type of showing for an NHL game, we were real pleased with that, and hopefully we can build on that. We're talking to Jason Malls, the voice of the Wichita Thunder. The American Hockey League, although it's a national league and, and it even works its way up into Canada, as does the ECHL, it becomes very regional in terms of the schedule and in terms of the teams you play. You stay mostly within your division, although there's a few one-offs where you'll go out of the division. For example, the Barracuda went to Iowa to start the year out of the Central Division. Describe just kind of the travel and the opponents in the cities that – Wichita frequents on a regular basis and kind of how things shake out from a travel standpoint. Well, it's, it's pretty similar to what you have to deal with out in your region of the country. Now we do get to see teams that are not in the mountain division in the ECHL. However, it's few and far between, Um, you know, I'd have to pull up the information about who we're playing this season. And in regards to some of the other, some of the other uh, teams that are not in our division. Now, the majority of our schedule is against Kansas City, Rapid City, Allen, and Tulsa. We play 13 games against each one of those teams. The only team we see outside of our division this year is Iowa, Cincinnati, and Toledo. Other than that, you know, we only play the six teams in our division. So it's very heavily weighted on the teams against the, 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 the ones that I mentioned, Rapid City, Utah, Idaho, Allen, Kansas City, and Tulsa. Now, we don't play Idaho and, and Utah as much just because of the travel. We, we only make one trip to Utah and Idaho this season, which it's typical in a, just a regular schedule throughout the course of the last five or six years that we've played those guys that – you know, we, we don't you typically see Idaho and, and Utah all that much. So whenever you play them, it's imperative, it's pertinent that you end up winning those games. So that's a little bit about some of the uh, the teams that we play. We have one big road trip out in the eastern portion of uh, of our schedule that, again, was to Cincinnati. And then we play a pair of games against the Toledo Walleye, who do a, a terrific job at this level. They sell out almost every game and it's a tremendous environment. Not sure if, you know, you're ever in that area to go and watch a game there, but it's pretty cool to see. So that's uh, kind of describing a little bit about, you know, who we are and who we play now real quick, Nick, and then I'll finish my thought. We opened the season with four games out of the first five against the Allen Americans. And then we play uh, four out of five against Tulsa. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a understanding of how the schedule breaks out early for us in the this portion of the year 
Well, what it does is it builds rivalries, right? And really enhances maybe the disdain between the two teams. We see it in the AHL as well. You get to that sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth matchup, and there's uh, there's a lot of not much love lost between the teams, uh, to say the least. For fans of the Barracuda and of the NHL and here in California, there's been ECHL affiliates in the past. With the Barracuda, it was Allen, not since 2019. Last year, they sent all the prospects to Orlando, although Orlando was affiliated with Tampa Bay. But I want you to give me the sales pitch on the ECHL. Why, in your opinion, it's so valuable from a developmental standpoint and why the league doesn't just reside as an independent league, but why developing players for the next level and hopefully for the NHL is so important. I think that the biggest the biggest sales pitch for, for this level has to be the ability to give guys that are either on NHL or American Hockey League contracts time to play. The one thing you don't want to do is leave them up in the minors or up in the NHL level and they're not seeing the ice. They're not going to develop that way. They need to be out there and they need to be playing, especially goaltenders. I mean, you take a look at some of these teams, they're backloaded with seven, eight prospects that they have signed. And how are you going to make a decision if a guy's sitting in the stands or he's not getting any starts in net, which, you know, you saw that uh, last year with, with uh, Olivier Rodrigue, he's actually starting to play pretty well up in the American hockey league. He was with us a season ago and he didn't have that great of uh, an ECHL career. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. You look at his stats and he struggled, but he also dealt with some in- injury problems late in the season. So uh, another gentleman who has come through here that I'm sure you're familiar with was Stuart Skinner. And now he's backing up in the NHL. And he's one of the first prospects that we have had that have actually started in the ECHL, worked his way up to the American Hockey League, and now he's a regular in the Edmonton Oilers lineup backing up Jack Campbell. So I think that is very key for this level of hockey. It gives the ability for these NHL teams to send players down so they're playing and they're developing. And that's probably what I would say is the biggest sales pitch for the ECHL to work with teams like the San Jose Sharks and the Barracuda. Talk to me a little bit about the developmental model. Here in San Jose, we've got an NHL team in about 15 yards down the hallway is your American Hockey League team. So there's a lot of communication between the two coaching staffs. The systems are nearly identical. Players go up to the NHL and they know what is expected and they know how to play within the system. Now you've got a new organization this year in Wichita, different coaching staff than what we've been used to here in San Jose. So there's still a relationship being built, but Describe to us kind of what the general development model is in the ECHL beyond just playing time. What is the mentality of the coaches? How are they trying to develop players? And talk to us just about the relationship. And maybe you have to lean on that relationship with Edmonton, but that relationship between the American League and the ECHL. Yeah, you know, it's it's hard really for me to to give you the best answer to that other than I do know that our head coach, Bruce Ramsey, talks in unison with the affiliate on a day-to-day basis. And they has systems that he has in place. You know, I, I'm not around the arena as much as I have been in the past um, because of other responsibilities. However, I do know that he has constant communication uh, with the affiliate. Uh, when we were with the Oilers, Bill Scott, who is the individual that kind of facilitated that relationship was in Wichita 
probably two or three times a month. And they had regular meetings with the prospects. They would go over video. I do know the other day, for instance, one of the shark prospects who was down with us, Tamara Bragamoff, he was in our coach's office when I went in to drop something off and he was watching every shift with our assistant coach, which I think is something that has to help being able to see what you're doing on film. But it, when it comes to the systems and the, uh, other stuff that you're referring to, uh, I'm, I don't mean to be giving you a, a very vague answer, Nick. I just don't have the uh, understanding or education when it comes to how does the Sharks and the Barracuda systems compare to the Wichita Thunder systems? Talking about Bruce Rams, the head coach, this is year number three for him. He's been an assistant in the American Hockey League. He's been a head coach prior in the ECHL. He played professional hockey. What type of coach is he? What's his demeanor? What's his, his style? I would consider him a, a he's a player's coach. You know, the, the guys typically mention that to me whenever we're, you know, visiting on an interview or we're talking over the summer, even when I was with the team a couple of years ago on the bus before COVID hit that they've got a tremendous amount of respect for him. He allows them to be themselves. You know, it, it it's, a, it's a lot different than the coaching staff we had here prior to his uh, signing when he was hired for, uh, I want to say it was the 1920 season was his first year. So, you know, Bruce is the type of guy that you can approach. You can have a conversation just as an individual or a coach talking to a player. So I think that's very important for him. Um, at the same time, he, he he's not the, the kind of coach that wants to micromanage everything that's going on. You know, he, he allows our player assistant, Stefan Fournier, to help uh, manage and facilitate some of the other things that are going on with the team. So he's not overlooking everything inside the locker room. And I think that truly helps uh, the players find that respect for him. So, you know, he he was actually the type of player when he was playing that loved to fight. He if you look at his stats, he he had over 200 penalty minutes. I want to say it was four or five years in a row. And he was known for his toughness. Now, as a coach, I think he preaches speed, uh, you know, quick passes out of your own defensive zone. He wants, he wants us to try and use our transition game and, and find a way to get in on their D, which I don't want to sound like a, a broken record. Whenever You know how you hear those interviews with the NHL guys where you get pucks deep, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I do feel like he he he's an attacking style of coach who wants to get in on the four check, but he he doesn't want to play a dump and chase type of game. He wants puck possession, carry it into the zone, that type of stuff. I can remember just with the Barracuda playing the Condors as much as we have over the history of this specific division in the AHL. I can remember vividly players coming to the American Hockey League from the ECHL and from Wichita and being ready to play. And you mentioned Stuart Skinner as a perfect example, just a dominating career in the AHL. But prior to that, spent time in the ECHL and has really taken the long road up to the National Hockey League and is now number two goalie in the NHL. When players get reassigned from the NHL to the AHL or from the AHL to the ECHL, I think there's sometimes the feeling of disappointment as there should be, frustration. How have you noticed that the way that you guys are 
catering to players, the facilities that you have. You've got an arena that was built just over 10 years ago. You mentioned it holds 13,000 for hockey. You've got a great facility. You've got a good fan base. So when you notice that players come back or when players come to the ECHL, do you notice that they're pretty impressed and almost maybe surprised that, wow, this is a better league than I anticipated. This is a better facility and they take care of us here. Do you notice that from players just from your interactions? Yeah, I have. I, I, I think I, I've noticed that a little bit more over the last couple of seasons than when we first started in this league, because in the ECHL, I think it's imperative that you have an NHL partner. Uh, and there was a couple of teams that went independent and, you know, they weren't as successful. We started out with an affiliate with the uh, Ottawa Senators, but we didn't have a ton of prospects sent to us because they didn't carry uh, that many contracts. Now, it was hard to say over the last two seasons because with the, tr- uh, the taxi squads and carrying extra players up at the American Hockey League level, you know, we didn't get an opportunity to have a ton of players down here over the last couple of seasons. I, I think this is probably the most prospects that we've had on our roster from an affiliate since we've had a partnership with an NHL franchise. And, you know, in talking with players like a Stuart Skinner, who, you know, he didn't want to be down here. Let's, let's be honest. uh, That's kind of what you were alluding to. He wants to be at the American league level and get an opportunity to play in the NHL. But I think he was impressed. You know, you, you talk to guys whenever they come in or you're on the bus or you're just hanging out when you're on the road and, you know, they, they had no idea what, mid-America Kansas is supposed to be they, they've never even heard of probably Wichita Kansas and they probably think well it's just flatlands and farm and small town but you know they get here and they can already see some of the amenities like you had mentioned and I think the, the biggest thing though is just trusting in the coaching staff knowing that Bruce and John Gersk is our assistant coach has their best interest in mind and, and they're going to do whatever they can to try and help them get to that next level so I, I do feel like I've seen reactions in uh, them wanting to be here as opposed to, okay, well, I'm going down to the ECHL and I, I could really care less. I, I might not uh, be happy about it. And I'm going to, you know, I don't know if pouting is the right word to say, but, you know, you know how it is. They don't want to be here. They want to be at the American League hockey level. Yep, we see it in the AHL too with guys who want to be in the NHL. And I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. Now, if it continues and it affects their performance on the ice, that's when it becomes an issue. But you want guys to have those emotions because the long-term goal of any developmental league is to get to the highest possible level. So it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I think for players to go to Wichita and again see that they're treated well and that this is for their best interest and they're going to play a lot, and if they play well, they're going to be called back up, that, that's what it's all about. So, again, I don't think there's anything wrong with it, but it's just how players take it kind of in the long run as opposed to the to the short term. Jason, you've been with the team since 04. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you left and then you came back. But I want to hear a little bit about your story. You call the games for the team. You're the voice of the team. You do a lot of different things like we all do in the quote-unquote minor leagues. But tell me a little bit about your path. I know you grew up a, a Blackhawks fan, if I'm not mistaken, and one of your favorite players – as a kid, was Doug Wilson, who the Sharks just honored a couple of weeks back, hung a banner in the rafters at SAP Center after he stepped aside after 19 years as the organization's GM. But uh, tell me a little bit about your story and your path to Wichita and becoming a professional broadcaster. 
Sure. Um, you know, I, I grew up in Chicago, which is part of the reason why I was such a big Doug Wilson fan. You know, I, I've always been a Blackhawk fan growing up and, you know, being exposed to what it's like to to be in a bigger city. And um, I played hockey up until about my sophomore year of college, attended Penn State, got into radio my final two years, ended up going out to Montana of all places for my first job, which I'm sure you know how it is. You know, when you're first trying to break in, you're just looking for your foot in the door. And I, I sent out tapes to every professional team that I thought had an opening and nobody gave me a chance. Um, but I did get a phone call from a gentleman by the name of George Blackard, who at the time was with the Billings Bulls of the North American Hockey League. And he gave me an opportunity and I took advantage of it. Ended up in Wichita in 2004, which was a year after I started in junior hockey. Moved here without even seeing the city. Um, you know, it was something where I just felt like I needed to make a change. So ended up coming to Wichita. Three years into the job, I also, at the time, I had just gotten married, had a kid, thought I needed to be home more around my daughter. So I went to work at a radio station, which was at the time an ESPN sports talk station that had a morning show and an afternoon show. So I was able to do some morning and afternoon talk and also play-by-play -play of, of football and basketball. But, you know, my love has always been in hockey. That's always been my favorite sport, uh, playing and being a part of it. And I wanted to get back into the opportunity to be the voice of the Wichita Thunder. So they brought me back in 2011, and I, I've been here ever since. Um, there have been times when I thought, you know what, I think it's time for me to send out a tape. I want to get to the American Hockey League level. I want to be in the NHL like all broadcasters aspire to do. But unfortunately, you know, my place right now in my life is to be here with my daughter, who is turning 14, and she's going to start driving here soon, which I don't even want to think about. But, uh, you know, that's that's uh, kind of a little bit about myself. This is my 15th year with the Wichita Thunder, and it's it's been quite a journey, but uh, I, I never thought I would be in Wichita, Kansas. And I always tell this story, Nick, uh, before I close my thought. My sister, I have two sisters. One is four years older than me, and the other one is two years younger than me. The older sister was supposed to go to the University of Kansas. As a senior in high school, she committed that summer she was leaving the driveway and decided she didn't want to go. She pulled back in and never went. And now I'm the one that's living in Kansas. So there you go. Well, somebody in the family was supposed to live in Kansas, I guess. And uh, <laughs> little did you know it was going to be you. But uh, I love hearing the stories. I spent a little bit of time in the NHL as well. And it was a great league. And I'm sure you'll be in the American League in no time and, and hopefully in the NHL one day as well. But uh, I commend you for your commitment. Obviously, you have a teenage daughter and there's things that take priority to, to broadcasting as we all know but uh, from my perspective it's been really nice to have an ECHL affiliate I think it is incredibly valuable for players we aren't just sending them to the abyss they know that it's connected with the organization and it's in their best interest and it's been great working alongside you as well in our communication about players and where the teams stand so we can't thank you enough for for the time and, and for the history lesson on the team and, and uh, just great information all around about uh, the new ECHL affiliate of the 
of the Sharks and the Barracuda. But Jason Malls, uh, we can't thank you enough. Thank you. Thank you again for the time. Hey, no problem. And one last thought, and then, uh, you know, I'll let you go. The funny thing is, is you were talking about, you know, my daughter, she is actually starting to become a broadcaster. And I think she wants to take my job someday. <laughs> You're thinking, oh, no. Uh-oh. Are <laughs> you sure, she, honey? <laughs> she's doing high school football for uh, for her high school and she's been she's been improving every single game but i think hockey is her first love you should see the the things that happens when you you know have a kid and they get to that point in their life and she's just obsessed with hockey right now so um watch out hannah mouse might be the next barracuda voice once you move to the <laughs> nhl <laughs> I appreciate that well um what's what's so what's so beautiful is that there's uh there's opportunities now for everybody. I'll keep an eye out for, I'll keep an ear out for, and uh, I'll put in the good word. But uh, Jason, thank you again for the time. Appreciate it. Hey, not a problem. Good luck uh, this weekend. This has been a presentation of San Jose Barracuda Hockey. The Hilton San Jose is the preferred hotel of the San Jose Sharks and SAP Center in San Jose. Experience something new. Close to home or from across the world, the Hilton San Jose is there for you with memorable offers and experiences. Enjoy the brand new guest rooms with luxurious Waldorf Astoria beds and upgraded amenities. We're committed to creating a safe and relaxing experience, including delivering an even cleaner stay from check-in to check-out. Visit sanjose.hilton.com now to make your reservation. We are Hilton. We are hospitality.